All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Navigating No Contact with Toxic Parents. I'm your host, Tracy Principe. And today I have a super special guest I'm very excited about talking to Mary Tulin. Mary is a scapegoat child recovery specialist. She works with people across the globe and she facilitates the recovery from childhood and adulthood parental bullying and family mobbing. So uh, she has an ebook on the subject of dis dysfunctional families, and that's been downloaded hundreds by hundreds of people. And she uh, also has knowledge of this kind of taboo abuse that comes from her own lived experience, which we're going to talk about today, being the family scapegoat. Um, and then her decades of research and training and undertaken um, the final to find effective solutions for her own trauma recovery from being the family scapegoat. So she has group and individual coaching programs um, that has been described as life-changing, providing results with warp speed. Um, and then Mary has a website which is www.marytoolan.com. It's M-A-R-Y-T-O-O-L-A-N.com. And then on Instagram, she's at scapegoat child recovery. So check her out on Instagram and I'll be, um, I'll be posting those as well. So let's get started. Mary, I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you very much, Tracy, for the invite. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah. So I thought we could start, um, you know, by maybe if sharing a little bit of what your story was and what that means to be a scapegoat. Yeah. So I grew up uh, in the role of the family scapegoat. Obviously, I didn't know that as a child or I didn't have the language for it. Yeah. Um, but yes, I was in some families roles, roles fluctuate and change. For me, I was always the scapegoat. So I have mm. memories from a very, very young age of being bullied by my parents. Mm. Um, my parent in particular was overtly, relentlessly, bullying me and then the other parent was kind of a bit of an enabler just kind of standing by watching mm. it all happen not very helpful yeah uh, so yeah it was just uh, relentless bullying being the laughing stock um like i couldn't do anything right and it just uh, also a lot of a lot of monitoring as well it was just weird mm. going on in in the family home um you know periods of calm but then you're kind of walking on eggshells you don't know when mm. the attack is going to happen yeah. and yeah just and then kind of the parent kind of indoctrinating my two siblings to join in mm. so there was there was just no let up and it was like constant boundary violations. So anytime, like the remember one instance in particular when I was about age 12 and got very angry with my parents who was, you know, goading me and really wanting like some kind of response from me. I got very angry. Mm -hmm. And then the response to that was to kind of mock me further and imitate 
how I responded and the words I used and um, pulled in my siblings to laugh at me and mm. me as well. So it was kind of like, you know, injury on top of injury. And it was just yeah. very clear that there was no um, solution to this. Like whatever wow. you try to do to make this uh, bullying stop, you, you can never win. You know, there's right. no solution to this. So you can try all you like, but yeah. I, the parent, I'm just going to do what I want, when I want, and you have absolutely mm-hmm. no say in the matter. And yeah. so, yeah, it was it was very stressful and obviously caused me huge anxiety and just to mm-hmm. kind of shut down as well because I didn't have I didn't have a voice um, growing right. up. And it's, of course, dysfunctional family. It's very difficult to individuate. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that sounds really stressful. Um, And, you know, you couldn't get out of there. Mm, A real sense of being trapped. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because especially I thought the other parent was kind of safer. Mm -hmm. Um, When I went to them for help, it was like, oh, it's my reaction to this bullying that is the problem. It's like, mm. you're too sensitive. You need to learn how to take a joke. They're only messing. They're only laughing. You yeah. take far too seriously. So mm. it was very disorientating, very confusing. And just, uh, just you know, it was trauma on top of trauma year after year, all throughout my developmental years. Right. Uh, yeah, it was very, very difficult. Mm. Yeah. And at what point did you, um, you know, did, did you realize that that wasn't normal, something was wrong, you know, did you leave home at 18 right away or can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I left home at 21. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I always, uh, it was like, I always knew. (laughs) Um, Yeah the one parent's bullying was so um, obvious. So that was always there. But then, of course, you kind of slip into kind of denial. It's not so Mm -hmm. bad. It's not, they're not like that 100% of the time. Right. So you kind of have to minimize it to yourself. Everybody else is minimizing it. This is nothing. Don't worry about it. Um, Yeah, so you minimize it to yourself. And then you also you have to take on element of denial about it. Otherwise there's no way to cope with it. Right. So there's, there's a lot of layers to it. And then it gets more complex as the years go on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I always knew it was like that, but then it was kind of, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the foundation. I didn't have the strength to fully step away from it. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew if I, you know, if it once, so long as I was living in the same country as them, they're always going to, you know, they would have turned up on my doorstep. There was kind of no, I just kind of knew intrinsically that I can't really get away from them. So, yeah. I mean, the route I went down, especially in my teenage years when I mm-hmm. was there every single day, was to go into a kind of obedient daughter role to try and be mm. perfect. That was my strategy. If I can be perfect, they'll have nothing to pick on me about you know there's always always 
pointing out flaws, always trying to pin something on me. And if they couldn't pin something on me, they would just fabricate something out of thin air. Right. Um, And you could just be bullied for anything. Like if you were in the kitchen and you just dropped something on the floor, you know, that was a brilliant excuse to start laughing at you and calling you names and everything like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have a moment where you, you, you are you no contact with your family? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Did and is when you went no contact, is, did you find that you know you got clarity in that about what really happened to you, or was there you know some kind of light bulb moment? Um. I got clarity in the years prior to going Mm -hmm. on contact. And then I knew it was just going to be cataclysmic for me to go no contact. I knew that would, Mm -hmm. um, being volcano would erupt. So it wasn't until I was in my 40s until I was able to go no contact Mm -hmm. with them. And I can't remember. I can't remember the rest of the question. Yeah, I was so well let's let's talk about this if we could. When you mm-hmm. went no contact, did they continue to try to um you know hoover and and bully you and make contact with you or did they leave you alone? Yeah, they did. Yes. Yeah. So it was it was mm-hmm. very much like very so much enmeshment in, mm. in family. And I really had this kind of role, like obviously with hindsight, had this role where I was like holding the family together on a kind of mm. energetic level, like being the emotional shock absorber for all okay. pain and trauma yeah. and almost like carrying the trauma of my parents as well, like kind of having responsibility to carry that yeah. and being the scapegoat so everybody else could have this sea of normality or peaceful Mm. kind of status quo so long as I was in the role of the scapegoat taking Mm -hmm. bullying on the chin everybody else could go about their day-to-day life and feel like they were part of this perfect family which of course to the outside world there was a facade of family yeah yeah so when you left did somebody else take the role of the scapegoat so so when I left, um, so I just sent them a text to say, mm-hmm. Listen, I'm just taking some time out. I'll be back in touch when I'm ready. Yeah. And um, that was the kind of, you know, set off alarm bells. Yeah. And um, yeah, then then things started to kind of collapse within the family system. Mm. And they kind of knew, I don't know, they kind of knew on an energetic level that, you know, this is, she means business, like there's yeah. uh, something weird happening here. You could just almost feel it in the airways mm. from like England to Ireland when I sent that text that like something, oh, wow. shifted, something shifted in the air. Yeah, And yes, there was a lot of hoovering, a lot of texts, a real sense of anger from them like how dare you Mm. they didn't say that but that was the kind of energetic response people being very angry then one of my parents took ill so there was text Mm. messages they're ill now do you realize they're ill Mm. you know how could you 
dare do this to your parents in their elderly age. So all this type of messages, right. um, phone calls, and then it was me, the process then of blocking them, blocking yeah. them on social media, blocking the phone numbers, everything yeah. happened because I was, you know, there was, that was a point of no return when I, when right. I text and when I realized uh, the whole dynamic of everything that was happening and actually how serious it was. Yeah, how serious the situation was, and yeah, mm. it was really terrifying as well. The whole thing of you know, what are they a sense also of how what are they going to do to retaliate now mm. that I stood up for yeah. myself? Yeah, so it was pretty terrifying, and I was um grateful that I was living in a different country and there was an ocean mm -hmm. between us as well. Mm. That kind of felt a little bit safer. Yeah. So that's, you bring up a good point because um, a lot of people really struggle with that, you know, just being absolutely terrified, especially with these enmeshed parents that are really um, bullies, right? Yeah. And they're just coming after, um, you know, and, and they, they're relentless and they don't quit. Yeah. Um, and that's terrifying, you know, especially when that you know, when the the nervous system is um, feeling that anxiety and the stress levels are really high. Um, what, you know, what, what do you say to people that have that fear? And sometimes they stay in that contact because the fear is so great to, you know, separate that because they are afraid of that retaliation. And, and sometimes that is very real. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a real threat, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, every every situation is different and every, the way the family will respond when the scapegoat escapes is different. Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. they just absolutely blank you, but yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll have a kind of a fair idea of how they are going to respond. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a matter of a lot of preparation beforehand to make sure that you feel safe and uh, you're mm -hmm. physically safe and also actually what helped me a lot was um a somatic experiencing i know that's your area as mm. well and actually i couldn't re it was really difficult for me to go no contact from an intellectual space or a mental space but yeah. every every time i went to visit them i would get physically ill mm. so it was like my body yeah was making the decision for me so that's kind right. of a little bit easier when I went no contact and the hoovering was very very intense mm. I knew like I can't be on the phone with these people because it affects me physically right um, you know it was like I could feel my immune system deteriorating yes near them in the same room as them or if I had to be on the phone with them so it was, yes. it was a no for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and that's a lot of people, um, unfortunately, it takes really the body breaking down mm. um, to, to get to that point of, of yeah. my body is really speaking for me yes. and saying no, no more, right? Exactly. Yeah, because that accumulative, you know, that developmental trauma and then into adulthood, you know, it's just an accumulation and, and that the body's been holding for, you know, mm -hmm. 20, 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very yeah. Stressful. 
it's very extremely stressful. So, um, yeah, so sometimes, you know, it's really, a, really, truly about self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, setting things up in advance and trying to um, be one step ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Like when you're considering no contact, okay, what are they going to, how how are they going to retaliate? What are they going to do? How can I keep myself safe? Um, what do I, what do I need from my childhood home? Like, you know, get whatever belongings you need because you're not going to be going there as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're using, (laughs) yeah, they're weaponizing things like that. Oftentimes those childhood mementos or, you know, are, if they're still in the family home, they're weaponized or even destroyed Mm. by the parent. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times they can use things like that uh, for their hoovering. Mm-hmm. So like documentation or something like, oh, there's this form yes. we need you to fill in. What's your address? We need to send it to you. You That's know, right. the solicitor needs these details. You know, they'll use yeah. anything to yeah. get like just even a smidgen of contact. I think that's what frustrated my family um, so mm. got very irate because they just got nothing from me after that last text. They got yeah. zero. They got zero. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about that if we could, that the more subtle forms of manipulation, um, which might even look like gift giving or, you know, um, money is a big, you know, a big control, you know, weapon mm-hmm. of control. Or these more subtle things of um, forms or, you know, birth certificates or social security. I hear that a lot, Mm. Um, you know, needing, needing, or they'll come back with, oh, I want you to be a part of the will or my, you know, power of attorney, those kinds of things. I hear a lot about those more subtle uh, manipulation tools, right? Yeah, I had that as well. Like they were trying to send me money and Mm. I didn't bond. And then they went down to the bank to try and the bank wouldn't let them send through the money because they didn't have like an IBAN or something. They didn't have a number. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, they will try everything. So again, like the more prepared you can be before Mm -hmm. with all your like affairs in that situation, the better and what keeps people stuck in that and a feeling of obligation and responsibility is the, a kind of a, a trauma bond that might be happening yes. there so right. which, which has its roots in childhood so that's like the younger part of the psyche that is yeah. terrified terrified of being punished terrified of being abandoned yeah really what it what it falls down to and terrified of being ostracized and rejected but mm-hmm. the thing is all of that has happened already all of that happened mm. in childhood you were abandoned rejected and ostracized mm. in childhood so and it's just getting the adult self on board okay i can handle this i can deal with this but yeah it's yeah. a lot of psychological manipulation and mind games mm-hmm. and actually the tricky thing is before we go no contact we haven't had that time away from them it's a kind of a chicken and egg situation because yes. when we do go no contact you get a bit more psychological space physical distance and time to digest and yeah. uh, 
assimilate all the things that have gone on and get your own sense of grounding and your own sense of self. But the yeah. period before you go no contact, you don't have that luxury. So you can still get caught up in the trap with everything. Yeah. So, I mean, the more support you can have with somebody who understands it, the better. Absolutely. <laughs> um, very tricky as well, because people can be giving you advice that is very ill-advised and very right. damaging advice. And, oh, yes. like, read a letter to your parents. Have you tried talking? You know, the invalidation is huge in this area because it's such a taboo. Yeah form of abuse right that's be right very mindful about that yes and i hear that all the time from people um you know because of the taboo of you know you're you're breaking up with your family and even um even from therapists or other helping you know professionals um that have biases will tell people to stay in contact or work it out or you know forgive and and that's very harmful um and damaging yeah i've had yeah. that myself and my clients have experienced that as well it can set back your healing decades yes so it's it's very very damaging and it's vital when we're doing this work to work with people who really really have a deep understanding of the nature of this abuse so that you can be supported and helped yeah that's right absolutely so so important because of the lack of understanding and um, the uncomfortable nature it makes people uncomfortable. And so their response is going to be, oh, well, just work it out or try harder or, you know, those kinds of things, because they're it just makes people uncomfortable. There's um, a tension that's there, like yeah, yeah. contact and it's like there's not a resolution and like those parents can go on and be deceased and you're not going to get a resolution to it. Like right. there is no resolution. There is no closure. So right. we create our own closure with the situation because you're never going to have that conversation with your yeah. parents and get to understand what was going on, what their motives were, and and forget about an apology or anything like right. that nothing like that so that can also be a difficult thing to navigate as well that um the uncertainty and this kind of something is left hanging in the air when you mm -hmm. go as well but that's just something we deal with when we're the scapegoat child in recovery right yeah and that's what i always say is that you know those that person that we're trying to heal from is not available for repair work right so we gotta <laughs> yeah we, we've got to do these other things um to heal and support ourselves and do that inner you know reparenting without someone available yeah. you know to, yeah. to do that work because they're just not not going to do it right i've never in as long as i've been doing this and as many people i've come in contact with and have in my community i've never seen a parent um you know deeply turn things around go to therapy do whatever they need to do um you know long term have mm -hmm. you seen that in and you know have you ever seen a parent come in and, and say hey wow yeah I, I made you know i made terrible mistakes or whatever let me get therapy let me get sober whatever i need to do i haven't I, seen that when they have yeah. had allocated roles to their children and scapegoats mm -hmm. so i haven't yeah. come across that i mean the abuse we're talking about here is that the severe 
spectrum, severe yeah. end of the spectrum. So yes, I mean they're yeah they're not really available. They don't have the awareness. Um, yeah, the big issue there is a lack of empathy when a person mm. doesn't have the capacity for empathy. That's right. huge. That's huge. Yeah. Whatever is going on in the brain, whatever right. the trauma they have is just mm-hmm. absolutely huge because they yeah. can hurt their child. They can see that they're hurting their child and they can sleep at night. Yeah. So that's, that's quite a different, you know, that's a different type of person we're talking about here. Different, you right. know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So whether they're a, um, uh, a narc- you know, a narcissist, whether, you know, they're a narcissist or some other personality disorder or whatever, they lack empathy, they lack that self-awareness, self-aware- any kind of self-reflection, they don't have those capabilities. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And would you say that, um, as, you know, I hear a lot of people say that scapegoats come from a narcissistic family what what's your is that what you you know is that your take on it that a scapegoat is from a narcissistic family dynamic uh yeah the way i phrase it is like um it's a dysfunctional family unit yeah the parents have um some type of you know their own the parents are unhealthy Mm-hmm. And they're behaving in unhealthy ways. They're behaving in toxic ways. Yeah. They're presumably projecting some severe trauma inside them that they can't handle yeah. out onto the next generation. It's unprocessed pain. Their mm-hmm. mind is sick. We know that their mind is sick because they just keep bullying their yeah. own child and they're told that their child the child tells them listen you're hurting me please stop please stop but they just won't and they just lack the capacity to stop they also kind of have this sense of entitlement no I'm allowed to do this Mm. because you know society doesn't see this as a problem so I'm just going to walk out the front door and be you know hailed as this brilliant person in society and then I can home and behind the closed door I can treat you whatever way I want to and I'm going to get away with it and you don't have and you don't have a say in the matter and you're just a child and I'm the adult so I can do what I want so it's a very uh weird um way of growing up like a coach said to me one day she says it's like growing up in an unsupervised psychiatric ward Mm. that's definitely something (laughs) I can relate to because the um, insanity was just off the charts. Yeah, so confusing, right? Just so much confusion. Um, And that's where we really, you know, um, go into the world as adults and really lack a sense of self and, you know, trusting ourselves, right? Because everything everything is like, is it me? Is it them? Is it me? Um, You know, because of that crazy making, um, gaslighting and, and manipulation and, and, you know, having our realities denied. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Dysfunctional families operate on denial. Mm -hmm. There's just like, there's a rule of denial. And there's also another rule that, you know, this happens and you're not allowed to speak about what is happening. 
Yeah. So you're never allowed voices. There's no words for it. You can't explain it. You, you learn very early on that you're not allowed to talk about this mm-hmm. because you're gaslit and you're told you're the crazy one. Yeah. So there's never any conversation about it. So you just kind of slump back into this trance of denial that everybody mm-hmm. else is in. Yeah. And also, like when the scapegoat has been bullied, it's like the attack happens very quickly sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of happens. And then straight after it happens, there's this kind of amnesia that happens everybody else goes everybody goes into a kind of denial oh that didn't happen and then there's kind of that eerie sense of calm after and then it's Mm -hmm. like of abuse then it goes into maybe a bit of love bombing or something or there's a bit of and that's yeah that's the crazy making yeah Uh, and and yeah a lot of people who have been in the role of the scapegoat child and they're in adulthood they've heard so often from their parents that you're the crazy one there's something Mm -hmm. wrong with you we're going to send you to therapy you're the problem that they really internalize that and they will have a lot of self-doubt about that and ask themselves oh was it that bad is is it me is there something wrong with me because you've been hurt listen to that for so long like all your developmental years your childhood your teenage years your brain is wired with that all these damaging messages so the brain is working perfectly in terms of okay you know i'm being programmed with this so there's no other way for the brain to operate only to have massive self-doubt right yeah just constantly being thrown off your center it's like you know you're walking on eggshells and you don't have any foundation of self that's right yeah and and you know and again a lot of times being the scapegoat we are the ones that end up with eating disorders and addictions and depression and anxiety um do you see that you know what are the some of the effects of this that you see that are, you know, not to, you know, that, that are, are because someone's traumatized. That's why they're, they have anxiety and depression and right. They're traumatized. Absolutely. Yes. Um, because there's such like an abandonment there. There's no love yeah. in the traditional family. So yeah. you're going to have like addiction, anxiety, depression, and not being able to get through life like always kind of coming up against brick walls maybe sabotaging behavior and of course on the surface like you'll try your best to look like a normal person to fit into society to have a career to get on and do things and we have a high propensity to just brush it under the carpet because that's the culture we come from within our family and without of of our family brush it under the carpet, pretend it didn't happen, shove it down into, into the deepest recesses of your mm. subconscious, just pretend it's not there and let, right. let's live our life. Yeah. And then it comes to a point in your life where it catches up with you. Right. Well. If it hasn't caused severe damage in your 20s, you know, if you've kind of tried to get yeah. off. Yeah, just especially like anxiety, panic attacks, uh, any type of addictions, real difficulty with relationships with people because it's a relationship injury. 
Right. Absolutely. Loads of limiting beliefs like I'm all alone. I don't Mm. belong like real difficulty in group situations because you've been bullied. You've been, right. you know, you've been the target of bullying from the first group that you were in, which is your family of origin. So of right. course you want to carry forward. Yeah. And yeah, if finding it difficult to get a solution as well, because the pain and the trauma is so deeply entrenched. Mm. It, it takes a while to get um, help with that. And yeah, of course, we mentioned invalidation that can be extremely damaging and just yes. set us right back in our healing. Yes. yes, that's so true. I've experienced that myself so many times. Mm. Yeah, and that's why it's so important, um, again, with this work, is that really, you know, and again, a lot of coaches, therapists, helping professional, don't take it back to the family of origin they just, they don't go there. They kind of skip that step or play around on the surface. Um, and this is really where it started in that, you know, your, your relation, your first relationship was your caregivers. Yeah. Well, it's complex childhood trauma. So way to deal with that is to look at the childhood. So, yeah, exactly. And really, um, you know, your first relationship is going to be the, the, the mirror for, you know, how you relate to others going forward. Um, and being the scapegoat is, um, you know, a, a, I guess you might say a lonely uh, role in a way. And I've felt this, um, I still feel it every now and, you know, twinges of that loneliness, right? Because it's a lonely role. Mm. Um, And at the same time, I won't trade that for my peace and freedom. But there is, you know, a twinge of loneliness that perhaps um, never goes away because this, you know, this is what happened to us, right? So, um, and, and I hear that from others, too, that, you know, there's a there's this deep sense of loneliness. And I remember having that, um, you know, that deep loneliness. And again, I still feel a twinge of that. But that peace and freedom, I will not give up. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Absolutely. yeah, it's but sometimes really there's a loneliness that people feel um, and sometimes it can send them back to the family, right? It can send them yes. back, back there. And, and, and that's okay. That happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's just a really severe attachment rupture yes. from your primary severe. caregiver. Yeah. So when we're a human and when, when we're born, we need to connect with a primary caregiver. Yes. And the difficulty with being born into a dysfunctional family is that the caregiver is mental, has mental illness, mm. um, doesn't have empathy, doesn't have the ability to connect. So the nervous system is not developed when we're a newborn. We need that connection with the primary caregiver to get our nervous right. system online. And yeah. when that primary caregiver is compromised, um, we suffer from a severe attachment rupture, yeah. which, of course, it feels like an abandonment. Um, mm. and as a yeah. human, 
you can't survive as a as a little infant on your own in the world so psychologically that has impact going forward and especially the whole you know being the scapegoat you're rejected you're ostracized Mm. you're constantly being given the message that you don't belong you don't belong with us we don't love you you know you're treated with contempt as well so of course it's very very lonely it's very isolating Isolated, you do yeah. feel like you don't belong um and and then for us in recovery it's getting getting us finding a sense of belonging because like yeah. as a human you're supposed we're, like we're tribal creatures we're social right. creatures, we're supposed to belong with your family of origin with your extended family and when you don't have that it's like you're cut off from your lineage you're cut off we cut out yeah we're back yeah oh, there we go. we're back yeah yeah um yeah so so you're you're cut off from all of that so you're kind of you can feel like a bit of a lone wolf yeah um, yeah, I think it's sure. slightly easier now, nowadays, you know, in, in recovery, we can get help with that and find our own inner attachment uh, as mm-hmm. part of the process and be our own inner, inner parent. Right. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, it's it really is that deep um, attachment wounding. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, you know, I, I would say that's it's that's about the biggest wound there is that abandonment and rejection. Um, for me, I just knew my mom didn't want me. She made it really clear that she didn't want me, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, I remember I can remember that from the smallest memory. You know, the the first memory I had of my mother was that she didn't want me, and it was very apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never bonded to her. Now I know why. Again, back then I thought it was my fault. I must have done something wrong. But I never yeah. bonded because, you know, I mean, babies will bond. I always say babies will bond. Babies want to bond. Yeah. 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 It's that yeah. parent that that can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they don't have the, you know, the nervous system. Yeah. Uh, capacity for that. So very, very, um, you know, I'd say about that's about the... Um, biggest deepest wound there is it's terrifying for a little child as well because it just puts the nervous system straight into survival mode that's right and hyper vigilance yeah you know how can i be terror yeah absolute terror yeah Yeah. which is very taxing it's very taxing it uses Mm -hmm. that uses up a lot of energy so a lot, of your, a lot of your energy as a child and as a teenager is going into trying to keep yourself safe, trying mm-hmm. to tell yourself that you're safe, trying to strategize to placate the parents so they don't get angry yeah. and you can get your needs met. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you're at a disadvantage because you're not able to kind of just go out and live your life normally. And the right. house you grow up in is not a safe zone. That's right. Yeah. And I think that most people are in survival mode. I, I was, and I didn't know it. Right. So, you know, being in survival mode and not knowing you're in survival mode because you just think that's normal. Uh, until yeah. again, you start getting, you know, your body starts breaking down. You might have, um, you know, uh, autoimmune might start those kinds of things. Yeah. So that was true for me and true for a lot of other people. Um, 
you know, as, as, as you get a little older, but I see it in younger folks too, um, you know, that, that body breakdown from the survival stress. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So again, you know, just recognizing that survival mode um, works because we're staying safe, but at some point it's, it doesn't work anymore. And your body, um, you know, can't, can't, keep up that cortisol and adrenaline, those yeah. high levels, right? Continually. Yeah. 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 So such good stuff, such good stuff. Um, so we're going to wrap up here. And I wondered if, you know, if, if you had anything else that, um, you know, you wanted to share or um, tell the viewers as we wrap up this really informative talk about you know being a scapegoat uh well we've spoken a lot about how it manifests and all mm -hmm. about it and maybe to give a message of hope yeah. <laughs> the recovery process yes. is people out there in the world on the interwebs that can yes. help you and the first step is the education piece mm -hmm. you know just understanding what happened like all these very complex dynamics within the family yeah. and also to let people know that there is a way to heal from the complex trauma there yeah. is lots of different tools lots of different modalities there's lots of support groups now that you mm -hmm. can find and people who understand your experience, understand right. what you've been through. And there's many, I kind of, I take a 360 degree approach to healing. Like we look at, you know, limiting, clearing the limiting beliefs, doing the inner reparenting work, mm -hmm. working with the inner child, understanding where the trauma lives in the psychology mm -hmm. and understanding how to work with it and boundaries of course is a big area healthy boundaries yeah. because we didn't have boundaries in our family right. of origin um so there's a whole lot and that's that all can be learned yeah uh, so you can get the information the information is out there it's just about educating yourself and also doing things to work with the nervous system to try and bring it down from the high mm -hmm. stress response yeah and yeah. again, there's lots of you'll find lots of tools out there. So it is de definitely possible. And it's like mm -hmm. for me, I like I learned from a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, and they all helped in different ways. Right. So, so it's definitely possible. There is uh, people that have gone before you who have come through it. Um, yes. So definitely. There's a light at the end of that tunnel. Yes, absolutely. There is. Um, and I would add on to that again, going back to um, education is good to get ed educated. Um, you know, that's always a great first step to get some awareness of what happened. Mm -hmm. And then really finding, again, a professional that works at this level, you know, the level of the body and the nervous system mm -hmm. and um I'm a fan of internal family systems as well. Um, yeah, that was a, you know, I realized early, you know, somewhat early on that somatic experiencing is great, but there's still like a missing, you know, there was a missing thing and IFS kind of filled the gap there and a couple of, you know, start filling the gaps. Yes. Um, 
yeah yeah with some other things but it really because of the level um of damage with this complex and developmental trauma that that we um endured it definitely requires uh, professional help, right? And in, in a safer, you know, a safe, safer relationship mm -hmm. uh, dynamic container, mm -hmm. um, because that's how we're going to heal. And again, we don't, those parents are not safe. We can't do that with them. So we got to recreate it in a safe space where you're heard, seen, validated. Um, and that really takes somebody that has, I believe, um, has lived this themselves like we have yeah mm -hmm. yeah. Right? yeah yeah so um training and lived experience because we've been down this road and we know what it feels like in our bodies mm -hmm. yeah 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 so so important um so yeah this has been really 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 helpful um i want to thank you so much for for coming and spending this time time with me um and and talking about this more yeah thank you very much tracy it's been great yeah talk. thank you all right i hope you guys get a lot out of this episode again mary can be found on instagram um what's your instagram again the Scapegoat. handle is at scapegoat child recovery scapegoat child recovery and then website is marytoolin.com yeah. yeah. All right. Wonderful. Thanks so much.